0: Welcome to Legendary Talks, a My Spring Harvest podcast bringing you the best sermons, Bible studies and seminars from over the decades. Today, we're hearing from Celia Apiege-Collins. She's sharing on the power of prayer back at Spring Harvest 2019. The,
1: the, The most powerful, the most powerful prayer is a prayer of praise and worship. But I want to teach you something about the sound. I like sound. I don't have time about sound, but I don't know if last year I shared it about the lepers. They're one of my favorites, you know, you don't have to wait for God to heal you and, and deliver you before you start celebrating your sound. Those lepers walked like this, and as they walked in their clumsiness, even their clumsy situations, caused, God caused the enemy to hear chariots coming. It's that attitude of perseverance, that doggedness of faith in God, that confidence of faith in God. For the Bible says, to you who hear prayer, to you will all flesh come. But I wanted to talk to you about the sound because I want you to make a sound that's going to shatter the plans of the enemy. That's going to dethrone him. So I'm going to tell you a story in a minute. Thank you so much, Lou. Listen, the Bible says in the beginnings of, of, of the book of uh, Samuel, it says that um, David was ill. And of course, he's at his, his, his last legs, he's about to die. And his son, Adonijah, has usurped the throne. So Bathsheba comes, and I think the prophet Nathan comes also, and they tell David that, um, listen, you promised that Solomon was going to be king, but now Adonijah has crowned himself king, and right now, even as we speak, they are celebrating his kingship. So David immediately ordered that... um, that Solomon be crowned king. The interesting thing is that there's always a contention between what the enemy wants to dominate in your life and what God wants to reign in your life. you got to understand that. There's always going to be a contention. The enemy thinks he owns you. And I like this. You see, as soon as the enemy brings ownership into the battle, Roger, it just means that I step back and let God take over because now it's about lordship, you know. And so there's a contention going on between Adonijah and Solomon's uh, reign and dominion. But this is what happens as the the people in Adonijah's camp are rejoicing. And the Bible says they are making a lot of noise and having a great party. As soon as Solomon is crowned, another party starts. And this one, Solomon is a younger guy. They make more noise. They celebrate because, of course, he is God's selection. He is God's celebrant. He is God's choice. They begin to make a lot more noise. The point I'm making is this. As the people in Adonijah's camp heard the raucous laughter and rejoicing and celebrating and shouting, and lifting up the name of the king that was coming from Solomon's camp they began to take up their bags and leave one by one until Adonijah didn't have anybody Uh, 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 supporting him anymore. Tonight I'm going to ask you to enter into some spiritual warfare and it's very simple. It's not spooky. I'm just asking you to celebrate one king so that another is dethroned. There are some things in my life that need to take up their suitcases and pack up and leave. There's some sicknesses we've embraced too long. There's some things that have dwelled in your house too long. They've got to hear another celebration and leave. Is anybody with me tonight? Do I have some tickets tonight? Lift up your voices. Rise to your feet. If you can shout, you can stamp, you can clap. But let's celebrate King Jesus reigning. And we want to say of his kingdom in your life, let there be no end. Of his reign in your life. Of his impact in my life. Of his influence in my life. Of his goodness in my life. Of his love in my life. Let there be no end. Rise to your feet and celebrate King Jesus. Come Lord. Come Lord. Come Lord. Rain, Reign! Reign, sovereign one! Reign, sovereign one! Reign, sovereign one! Reign, liberty giver! Reign, you who set the captives free! Rain, Reign with your goodness! Reign with your grace! Reign with your clever Caesar! Reign with your kindness! Reign in your word! Your sceptre of righteousness is a sceptre of your kingdom! Your throne, oh God, is forever in our lives! Hallelujah! We thank you, Lord, tonight! That every knee, every kingdom, every reign, every influence, every domain shall bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord in our lives to the glory of God the Father. And all the people shall say, please be seated. I love Jesus tonight. I love him. I love him. I love him. I love him because I don't have anywhere else to go. (laughs) You know, if I did have options, I'd be out there, but there ain't no options. It's a good place to be. Well, tonight, we're going to very quickly go into share some stuff about persistence in God's Word. And we heard uh, the story in Luke 18 about uh, the widow woman who had a situation and kept going to the judge. It's interesting that God would say that the judge had no fear of God or no fear of man. That means this is a cold, brutal man. There's nothing like compassion in him. He has no sensitivity, he has no sense of obligation, he, he's just ruthless. And this is the kind of man that she chooses to go to. It's amazing that when you're determined and being pursued, you really don't care who you, what happens, you're just doggedly going to go. So we're going to just look into her life and her psyche and find out why she would keep going to this cold, ruthless man who probably had a reputation. Who probably people told her, haven't you seen what he's done to so and so, he's not going to listen. But before we get there, there's going to be a little bit of a build-up. And so, I'm calling tonight, who told you to stop? Look at your neighbor and say, who told you to stop? Who told you? Who ordered you? Who deceived you to stop? And I'm reading very quickly a short story in 2 Kings chapter 13. And this is about, um, what's his name? What's his face, Elisha? 2 Kings 13, verse 14. Elisha had become sick with the illness of which he would die. Then Joash, the king of Israel, came down to him and wept over his face and said, Oh, my father, my father, the chariots of Israel and the horsemen. And Elisha said to him, Take a bow and some arrows. So he took himself a bow and some arrows. Can I put in parentheses here, I don't know why God doesn't just answer a prayer straightforward. But I ain't God. He's still not listening to my advice, so... You know, just. (laughs) Wouldn't it be simple if I asked you this, just do it? Why am I going to have to take arrows and bows? But, you know, he's God, so. As Job said, God, you're a very lucky God. I would have taken you to court, but I don't know who's going to handle the case. (laughs) He did. Go and read it. (laughs) Then he said to the king of Israel, put your hand. So, Elisha. And then this is interesting. Elisha is dying, but he ain't lost it. I don't know what your situation is. It might look bad, but you ain't lost it. You still got capacity to deliver God. You still got capacity to deliver God's purpose. I know I'm talking to someone right now. You still got capacity to deliver God's purposes, no matter what your situation is. Then he said to the king of Israel, put your hand on the bow. So he put his hand on it, and Elisha put his hands on the king's hands. And so Elisha is holding the bow, and the king holds the the bow, and Elisha crowns and cups his hand with his. He said, open the east window. He opened it. Elisha said, shoot, by the way, the east is where everything starts from, everything prophetic. We are not supposed to chase things from the west when it's all over. You're supposed to see it from the east. May God position you and me to see what's coming so that we can position ourselves, position our prayers, position our praise, position our thanksgiving position, the investment of our lives well. He says open that east window. He opened it. Elisha said shoot and he shot. He said the arrow of the Lord's deliverance and the arrow of deliverance from Syria. In other words, God's going to give you deliverance from Syria. For you must strike the Syrians at after till you have destroyed them. Everybody say till you have destroyed them. The operative word here is till, until, until, until. Then he said take the arrows. So he took them. He said to the king of Israel, strike the ground. So he struck the ground three times and stopped. And the man of God was angry with him and said, you should have struck five or six times. Then you would have struck Syria till you had destroyed it. But now you will strike Syria only three times. God forbid that you should stop when you're not supposed to be stopping. I don't have time to go into this, but I always wondered what made the king stop at three when he had been told, keep going until... Tonight, God sent me to tell you, keep going until. Tonight, I'm speaking to my own soul and saying, keep going until. In Job 21:15, the verse says, what is the almighty why we should serve him? What profit should we, should we have if we pray unto him? What profit? And a lot of times, we stop because we feel like it's useless. But you know something? If a specialist or an expert was to come and tell you something, you would believe them. You really would believe them. I think last time when we were in... Um, I don't know if I did, I did this last time, I, I, we're in a different place, and this is next, anyway. But I asked them to, to put all the lights out like this, and I, I want you to hold the hands of your neighbor sitting next to you. Just, just, I know you don't like them, but just pretend, just clap, clash, <laughs> clash your hands for a second. You know what we're going to do? We're all going to ask Satan to come in, is that okay? No, it's not. Why? You think he'll come if we invite him? You're unsure. I think he'll come if you invite him. Anything will come if you invite them in long enough. You know why we're all uncomfortable? Because we believe he'll come. Why is it that when we invite the Holy Spirit, we don't believe he'll come? Selah, pause, think about it. Okay, forget we're not going to invite Satan, that good-for-nothing person. (laughs) Let's just, shall we do as Job's wife said, let's curse God. Can we curse God? No, we wouldn't dare. Because he would hear, and you know, retribution would be swift why is it that, oh, okay, maybe if you cursed him under your breath, he wouldn't hear. Would he be here? Because he hears all things. Why is it that when you cry out in the shower? Why is it that in the, you're in your car and you say, Jesus? You know, sometimes you cannot even articulate what you're feeling. Sometimes all you can say is, Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Sometimes all you can say is, God, just get me through today. Sometimes the, the emotion with you, you, just say, Jesus is enough. But you don't believe he hears you. It's why we don't come to God in prayer. We don't believe that he hears us. But tonight, may he resurrect the until. May he awaken the until inside of us. You see, persistence is continuing in a course of action in spite of opposition, in spite of challenges, in spite of, uh, of, of difficulties, in spite of what you see. He didn't ask you that when you're shooting that bow, look to see if the Syrians are coming. The instructions are, just keep shooting until. Every result is preceded by a set of instructions. If we could only just instru- follow instructions. Simples, as the meerkats would say. Pray without ceasing. Simple. It's an instruction. He didn't ask your opinion. He didn't ask my opinion. He said, pray until something happens. We've been taught that. Unlimited is very interesting. It means not restricted in terms of number. Not restricted in terms of quantity. Not restricted in terms of extent. Not restricted in terms of of length. It's inexhaustible. It's endless. It's boundless. Unlimited access. We can keep going many times. Let him be the one saying don't come anymore. I like it. I realize men of passion like Samuel who who, who even prayed for Saul until God had to say to him, don't mention this subject again. I pray that God will take me and you to a place where we pray about things and it will be God who says, don't pray about it again. Not that I've given up. You understand where I'm coming from. Because there's much profit in faith-filled and faith-filled prayer. As you know, John Wesley says, God does nothing but an answer to prayer. There's an invitation right there. Jesus says, devote yourself, watch and pray. The word watch also means devotion. Devote yourselves to prayer. Devote, be loyal, be loyal, be loyal. Loyalty will always be tested by opposing situations. Be loyal, marry prayer. Stay in in fidelity to prayer. Don't go here and and quit today and quit tomorrow. It's a bit like somebody, sometimes we pray like somebody giving you a limp handshake. Versus a strong hug. May you and I be touched and attached and married and fixated to prayer. Until it's coming out. You know, there's a place you can get to in life. I go to sleep, and sometimes I wake up in the middle of the night and excuse me, I speak tongues, but I don't hope I don't offend you. But I wake up like, oh, Rabo Shanda, thank you, Lord, I praise you, I praise you. And I'm fiddling and, and poking my way to the bathroom like, I praise your dear, God, listen, ever. It's, a, it's. I realize that I've done it for so long, it's become a reflex action for me. If my eyes open in the middle of the night, my hands are going to go up, and I'm going to say something wonderful to Jesus. I don't have anybody but Him. Who do you have? David says, Who do we have in heaven but you? When it gets like that, there's nowhere else to go. There's nowhere else to go. Whenever I see the enemy attacking me, I know something has, has, I know I'm dangerous. I stopped crying over woes a while ago because I realized I'm a threat. I like the fact that for once, I'm not the one chasing, being chased. I can turn around and start chasing him too. But that's a different message altogether. There are many, many things happening around our world. None of us have any business giving up in prayer. Yes. Is Brexit this and Brexit that. And then we all have an opinion. I'm Czech politicians, the whole lot of us. But how many of us are earnestly praying God's opinion? We find Jonah in the boat. And the boat is about to capsize. There's a bad storm. And the sailors find him. He actually has the audacity to sleep in the midst of a storm. None of us have an audacity to sleep in the midst of the storm. That's even overtaking our nation right now. It's not about political parties. It's about the inheritance that was left to us. And Naboth says, God forbid that I should let you have the inheritance of my fathers. May something rise inside you of me to preserve the heritage that God has given us. I don't really care about parties. I care about God's land. And I pray, care about the redemptive purposes of the land. I care that in everything that would happen, listen to me, it doesn't matter. I don't know who is, I don't, it's not about the EU or anything. I don't care who is more powerful than who. All I know is that once upon a time, Pharaoh said no, and one day God said yes. And the answer of the tongue, I'm not equating it. I'm just saying we have many biblical patterns in scripture. If we would only stop opinioning ourselves and still look to him in prayer. They came and Jonah is asleep. They said, what meanest thou, O sleeper? How dare you sleep? When there's a storm going on. So tonight, I'm challenging you. At least every day in your life, when you wake up, it must be about 10 minutes dedicated to this land. Because he entrusts you with that land. Don't you dare sleep. Or you'll hear my voice in your ear saying, what means now? <laughs> but anyway, coming back. I know you know I'm going to get off. But many things, uh, knife crime. Do you know the percentages in prison? There's many things that rock our nation. And we've given up, we've let the news agents become our prophets and we've settled the matter there. I think there's a bit of neology to be had. If you anybody here hasn't got a degree? I can give you one. It's called neology. Get one. It's anology. you're a scientist. Get on your knees, gain one. There's just too many reasons for us not to fast and pray. I don't know where that came from because that's not my message. But somebody needed to hear that. But they said to Jonah, why sleepest thou?" down? You see, if you're not praying, you're doing something else. Interestingly enough, if you go three or four verses down, what happens is that he told them, he said, just throw me out, throw me out, throw me out into the sea. And the men rowed harder. When we don't pray, we row harder. Of course, you can't row harder against God's storm. Tonight, ask yourself, which areas of my life am I rowing harder in? So, I've, I've replaced prayer, diligent, faithful, fervent prayer with something else. It's called rowing harder. And you cannot beat it. They couldn't beat the storm until they had learned to throw Jonah overboard. Are we still friends? You're still here tonight? You see, James reminds us, says, it's effectual fervent prayer. It boils. The more you, you pray, the more fervent it becomes, the more boiling point it gets to. He says, of a righteous man, and this is an actuality of statement. He said he makes tremendous power available, and that power is dynamic in its workings. You see, you cannot expect beyond your revelation of God. God himself said it. He says, has thou not known, has thou not seen? I sit on the circles of the earth. If you know, and we we heard how they were even boasting about King Ahasuerus. If you know what your God is capable of doing, then it draws you to him. If we don't pray enough, it's because our revelation of God is is warped or is inadequate. However you find God, that's how you treat him. When the woman of the well found Jesus, she thought he was a Jewish man. She just gave him a cheek after the other. She thought he was a prophet. She dealt with him. It wasn't until she saw him as he truly was. John was with Jesus upon the earth. And the Bible says he he boasted that he was the one who put his head on Jesus' chest. He treated him, what's up, G? What's up, J? What's up, J? Until he saw him in Revelation just as he was. With the flame of fire coming from his mouth. His hair white as snow glistening the savior divine the immortal the invincible god only wise in light inaccessible hid from our eyes most blessed most glorious the ancient of days almighty oh, victorious thy great name we praise as john saw him there the bible says he fell down as dead before you leave this conference this week may god give you and i a different revelation of him because when you have a different revelation you respond differently you respond differently you respond differently
0: We just want to take a quick break to talk to you about Spring Harvest. If you're enjoying this podcast, you should definitely join us at Minehead or Skegness this Easter. It's five days full of inspiring talks, heartfelt worship and family fun. On top of an amazing programme of sessions, it's hosted at Butlins, so you'll get access to the swimming pool, fun fair, play parks and so much more. It's great for all ages, a place where the whole church comes together at the pinnacle of the Christian calendar. take time out, find space to hear from God and feel refreshed and equipped to live the life he's calling you to. Find out more including dates and prices
1: at springharvest.org. Ephesians chapter 3 verse 4 and I'm building up we're going to hit the lady in a second. Verse 14, Paul begins to pray for the church and he says that in verse 14 he says, for this reason I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man. Watch this. It wasn't what he was praying. He was saying God would grant you according to. Everybody say according to. Please underline according to if you're still using a Bible. What do we do when we, we use our, our, our phones? We can't underline, right? So, it's according to. According to means after the manner. In other words, this is what God's manner. This is God's MO. This is how he operates. But I like according to. It also means capacity in intensity. Capacity. So, Paul says, uh, God, do this according to your capacity. When you pray, you, go, you keep going to God. There's something irresistible because you understand his capacity. He said do it God. Do it. And I like it. Sometimes I feel like God is nudging us because I remember there is uh, funny they talked about Esther. I remember when Esther went before the king. You see sometimes we're too satisfied with too little too soon whether it's be good or bad. We find all manner of excuse for not for not pressing through until. And so I believe that when Esther got before the king I don't know if it's me, I won't be, i like, pinch me, pinch me, I'm not dead yet, he hasn't killed me, pinch me, pinch me, pinch me. Because you know she didn't have an invitation, she thought she was going to die. So she even prescribed her own obituary words, please, when I die, put on my tombstone, I perish, if I perish, I perish. She was already there, she saw the king, if it was me, I'd just take a selfie and send him on the cards. It's alright, I'm still living, I'm still alive guys, keep on praying, you know. Um, I don't know what she did, but the kings prompted her in her prayer. And he said, ask me anything. I believe that Jesus is saying, ask me anything. Ask me anything. Ask me anything. Watch. And then the king guides what she should ask and how much she should ask. And how long she should ask. He says, ask even up to half my kingdom. Folks, I feel like King Jesus is saying, we're asking too inadequately. We're bringing him down to our level. We're asking too little. We're giving up too soon. He said, ask me according to my capacity, Esther. Because if I give you half my kingdom, I haven't conquered the rest of the world yet. More is to come. God says when you come to him and you ask him, be careful. Let your asking be informed, be dictated by what you know about the person you're asking from. It is said of of Napoleon Bonaparte. That people would come to him and ask him great things and big things. And his aides would be upset and say, how very dare they come and ask you? They're not humble people. How very dare they come and ask you these big things? And you know we're like that too. People hear your prayer like, an oh, audacious guy, who does he think he is? When the king hasn't said anything. And so King Napoleon would grant these requests and people wouldn't understand it. So one day he gave an explanation. He said, let me tell you something. They honor me by the magnitude of what they ask me for. Let's not abuse Jesus next time. Let's honor him by staying there. That he's a faithful God. That he will do what he said he will do for us. That he will give us what he said he would do. After all, he's an upgrading God. You know, I, I tend to negotiate down. When Sometimes when certain things haven't happened. Has anybody done that before? You negotiate down? Okay, so you're believing God for... Um, what are you believing God for? Anybody? Everything. That's a cop-out. So, <laughs> so you're believing God for? Okay, say right now I need about 20,000 pounds, right? So I'm believing God for 20,000 pounds. I've got a project that I'm working on. By the way, can I say Mercy Ship was the most tremendous experience I've ever had in my life? Was it two months ago I was there? I haven't stopped talking about it. Your money, your presence, your prayers really make a difference. I thought i just... This is very sincere. I've never seen God's love and human dignity much like this before. But anyhow, I'm believing God for 20,000. And so maybe say I need 20,000 by August. And, not, and then we are in June. And I'm like, okay, God, even if you don't give me the 20,000, I think I'll make do with 10. <laughs> and then you know it's the last week in June, so I settle for 3,000 pounds. That's how we negotiate down, because we don't ask according to. Negotiate up, because you understand, it's not the last... He likes to show off, and in the last minute, he always shows up, his hand. Don't you know that? He does. It might look like a Red Sea, but there's going to be an opening soon. So finally, let's get to the lady that we started to talk about. But before then, I ask, I like what Max Locado says. He says, our prayers may be awkward... Our attempts may be feeble, but since the power of prayer is in the one who hears it and not to the one who asks, your prayers make a whole lot of difference. Can I repeat that? He says, our prayers may be awkward, our attempts may be feeble, but since the power of prayer is in the one, the power to make a difference is in the one who hears it, not on you. Your simple job was just to ask. Trust you me, your asking make a difference. Otherwise, sometimes we're like this Scottish old lady. When electricity fields came in the, in, 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 in the Lockdale or whatever it is that they call, excuse me, I'm from Africa, so I, I really don't know about that, that place. All I know is that whenever you get there, it's always raining. And it's beautifully green. Anyway, you know, she got electricity. She was wealthy and, but very frugal. So she got electricity. The only thing is, every time they came to read the meter, they'd realize that uh, nothing had been used, hardly anything. So they asked her, Ma'am, don't, don't you, Mrs. McDonald, don't, don't you like the electricity? She said, Ah, oh, my son, I love the electricity. I absolutely love it. I love it so much that every day, when it starts to get darker, uh, I switch it on just in time so I can switch on my candles. <laughs> you might be laughing, but most of us use prayer like that. Just enough. Forgetting that it was supposed to see you through every day, every minute, every moment of your life. That's how it is. You stay there until. You stay there until. So this woman goes to the judge and the Bible says the judge doesn't fear men or fear God. And Jesus starts by saying men ought to pray and not faint or lose heart. Don't give up. Never, 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 never give up. When God begins to say something ought to be done, it means it must be a priority for our lives. Suggesting that without it, we cannot survive, no advance, or be as successful as we should be. Men ought to pray and not faint. He didn't say men ought to pray. He said men ought to pray and never give up. In other words, he foresaw that there will always be circumstances that will tempt you to give up. That will weary you to give up. Prayer gives God permission to intervene in our affairs. It's an expression of great faith. Without prayer, we will be disobeying God. It gives us influence. But this widow went because she believed that heaven has keys that unlock hell. The widow was persistent with reason. The Bible says, He who comes to God must believe that he is, he's a reward of those who diligently seek him. Your diligence must be fed by what you know about God. In Daniel 6, verse 10, Daniel prayed three times a day, and the Bible says, As was his custom. What's your custom? If I was to describe you, if you were to describe Celia, what would they say my custom is? I pray. You see, because when you make prayer a custom, when ba- things go bad, you always revert to type, to your custom. You'll never stop praying. But if you don't make it as a habit right now, she went to the judge because she realized she couldn't solve her own case, she needed divine intervention. I guess if we are not waiting on God in prayer regularly and often, it's because we are solving our own problems. But the Bible says, woe to those who go down to Egypt for help. If it's not God, it's not a, then there has to be another God in your life, another idol who is helping you. Does it matter to God that we don't come to him in prayer, no matter the situation? Oh, yes, it does. He was angry with Hezekiah. And he made the statement. He says, the eyes of the Lord go to and fro upon the whole earth, seeking to show himself strong on the behalf of those whose heart is loyal. Again, we see the word loyalty tied in with prayer towards him. Persevering prayer is called loyalty. Number four, she went to the judge because she needed someone with greater clout than herself. You need somebody with some clout more than you. You need somebody. I'm so glad that Jesus is making intercession for me. He's got clout with, them, with God. Don't you, anybody need somebody with some clout? Yeah, you need somebody with some, uh, some grace. Last I checked, this is what they said about your God and mine. With God, nothing shall be impossible. And no word that has left his lips will ever lack the power of fulfillment. Last I checked, it was said of him, all power in heaven and on earth is mine. Number five, she went to the judge because it was his job. She kept going. You see, you need reasons to keep going. It's his job, peeps. When he signed up to the post, he was obligated to hear petitions and supplications. I didn't ask him to say, Father. I'd have been happy to call him God. Then he said, He said, When you come, say, Our Father. I'm happy. Because that means he has a duty of care towards me. You understand? He signed up to hear prayer, and I'm going to hold him to it. The Bible says, please don't think I'm being, do you think I'm being disrespectful? The Bible says, command ye me the work of my hands. God said I should ask him. He likes to show off. He really does. He likes to show his love. That reckless love is not an emotion. In fact, agape, is, the whole base of agape is that you seek the highest good of the beneficiary. So it's an action thing. Who is this? is always seeking to do you good, seeking to see you prosper. That's why it says, say to the righteous, this is well with you. Because somebody is working behind the scenes to work out your prosperity. He called himself Father. He said, He's our judge. He said, He's our avenger, the supply of every need, our hope and strong deliverer. He also said, Call upon me in the day of trouble. I will deliver you. He also said, Acknowledge me in all your ways. I will direct your path. A father, a shepherd, has a duty of care towards his children. Even Jesus called on his father in the day of trouble. And so I will continually lift up my eyes onto the hills. From when shall my help come? My help shall come from the Lord who made heaven and earth. Number six, his title judge said it all. It was his duty to bring justice and police enforcement of the law and punish lawbreakers in my life. That's why she went. She kept saying like, when I look around, I can't do it. Who else can? It's his job. Please don't make the Holy Spirit redundant. That's his job. He's here for a reason. Can I ask this very quickly? My time's finishing. Be- Any woman here who have breastfed before? Okay? Wonderful. It's very uncomfortable, isn't it? We love it, but it's, it's, it's heavy, it's tight, it's embarrassing sometimes with silks. You carry this thing. Okay? You look like a lovely lady. What's your favorite cereal? Do I sound like a comedian on on one of those Apollo things? (laughs) What's your favorite cereal? Yes, you. (laughs) Granola, let's say oats. Have you ever run out of milk in the house? Yes. How many of you ladies ever seriously took a bowl? (laughs) Anybody? I know there's got to be someone in there. None of us had. We carried it, but it wasn't for us. The last time I checked, the psalmist says he owns a cattle on a thousand hills. And he don't eat kebabs, by the way. In other words, everything he has is for mine and your pleasure and your goodness. He, that's his job. That's what he's there for. She went to him because he was the only one with authority, the legal right and power and ability to effect relevant and necessary change to her situation. She went persistently because she knew her rights and her privileges. Do you know your rights and privileges before God? Come unto me, he says, come boldly to the throne of grace and receive grace to help you in time of need. Know it. You have an infight. when they ask you, show them proudly your wristband, and said, I have a right to be here. She knew it. Nobody could stop her because the Lord delights in those who hope in his mercy. In the terms of the blood covenant, she's allowed to dwell there in his presence. She kept going because she knew that if she persisted, her hope and expectation would not be cut off. Our persistence is born because of what we believe the outcomes will be. What do you believe the outcome will be? She went there because she appealed to something in him. She knew he couldn't stand being wearied. God can't stand letting you down. He's touched by the feeling of your infirmity. You always need a reason to keep going. She knew. She touched something. When you keep coming, he said, I've heard the cry of my people. Listen, if I and you can cry over human situations, sometimes I wonder what God feels. Whether his heart is breaking. She knew he couldn't stand being wearied. Even Cain knew about God's bowels of mercy. He appealed to God's compassion. He said, this, 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 this um, uh, um, punishment is too much, God. Ameliorate it, soften it, and God heard him. As a father pitieth his children. The Bible says he pities us. He's El Shaddai. He was influenced by her persistence. As I finish. He was influenced by her persistence. The judge realized she knew her covenant rights, which is why he couldn't stop her. God says, if my people who are called by my name will just humble themselves and pray. The judge's reputation hinged on his responding to her, he, to her petition. In Daniel chapter 4, God says this. Deuteronomy chapter 4 verse 7, I beg your pardon. He said, the nations will look at you and they will say, what a great nation. Who has their God so near to them that he hears and answers their prayer? See, God knows that his reputation is on the line. The whole world is looking at you and him because you've made big noise about him. That's why he's not going to let you down. If this judge's heart was touched, how much more God's heart. The Bible says in all the affliction, he was afflicted and the angel of the Lord saved them. Tonight, those are just a few reasons why we keep going. We keep going because there's access. It's unlimited. It's unlimited. We keep going because there's an invitation. We keep going because we understand the capacity of the one we're coming to. We keep going because his reputation is at stake. Once you call yourself a son, when people look at you, they're going to judge your life by the God whom you serve. Even Moses reminded God. He said, God, if you kill them all in the desert right now, the Egyptians and the nations will hear and say you couldn't do what you said you'd do. And he likes his reputation too much. I could go on and on, but I want you tonight to respond to God. He's asking you come. Like Napoleon, he's ready to answer any anything that you bring before him. Maybe you've been wearied. Maybe you're just discouraged. And I understand that. Thanks for listening to this
0: episode of Legendary Talks. If you enjoyed it, make sure you hit subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and visit springharvest.org to find out more. We'd love to see you at Spring Harvest 2024.